0: Hi, and welcome to the C suite Perspective Podcast, where we talk about systems and processes. My name is Chris Gilseth, and I'm the COO of Amazatic Solutions, an agency that develops apps and custom software solutions. The mission of this podcast is to bring together experienced leaders so that we can share ideas and together elevate the industry. If you want to be a guest on our show or know somebody that's a good fit, go to go.amazatic.com. Forward slash apply. That is go.amazattic.com forward slash apply. All right, everyone, welcome to our next episode of the podcast, C Suite Perspective. And uh, today we have with us Robin Wiener from Get Real Health. And we're very excited to have you here today. We, we just had a little kind of pre-conversation, had a lot of fun there and talked about, wow, what an experience you went through in your, your previous career with some um, buyout of the company that you were in and kind of the mess that that cost. And that really kind of propelled you into starting Get Real Health. So, so why don't you tell a little bit about kind of what you guys do now? And, mm-hmm. and we're going to touch on, I want to touch on both. Where you got, where you got started, or kind of how it was to start, but also now that you've grown to a much bigger company, what are some of the challenges uh, that you're seeing now, and how are you solving them? Including obviously you being in the healthcare space, you know how COVID affected your operations as well as kind of your market in the, in, in, as a whole.
1: Absolutely. So um, I can we can start with where we started. Um, and start from the beginning and kind of go through if, that's, if that works for that you. That works, yeah. Great. So, as we said, you know, I we I have two partners. I have two partners, Mark Keeney and Jason Harmon, and we both came out of a company called March First or US Web. And as Chris just said, it was very crazy at the end there, and we said, oh, I think we could do this better on our own. And Lisa would be honest, and we know what we're we're doing. So, we started as a just honestly just a professional services company um, i was the chief um, people officer Markini is a is a phenomenal engineer more like network engineering side of it and jason Harmon is one of the best developers software developers architects you'll ever meet so we said oh you know what i can get the people they can design the product mark's really good on the finance side we're ready to roll so we really started out of our homes back um, in 2000 and um really 2000 and um, 2001. And uh, it was, it was great. I mean, we had a couple of clients that kind of came with us and we had a little bit of this professional services going on and everything. Or of course, that was the year of uh, September 11 too. So life of, you know, the life as we know, we live in, we live right outside of Washington, D.C. So it very much affected our, where we are and what, you know, what, what was going on there. So it was kind of a crazy time because we also, um, so we had that going on, we're starting this business, we're getting it going and everything like that. I happened to have a baby at that moment too. So our lives are really just, just got married, starting to have, have a starting a family. So it was a perfect time to kind of own your own business, be able to control what you can control at that moment. So that's where we started. Well, it's
0: interesting you're saying that because a lot of people think say. Oh, there's too much going on. Starting a business is just crazy on top of it. But I like what you just said that to control what you can, can control. I think yeah. that's a key phrase.
1: Yeah, it really was. And it was a crazy time for us, too, because of all things, we also had the situation with a sniper in Washington, in in our area. So it was a little stressful time for us. You know, um, it was happening actually within a mile of ours. I mean, I remember the D.C. Uh, sniper. So our lives were a bit crazy that first year. But it really gelled the partnership, and it's always interesting to have three people as partners, right? That's unusual We mm-hmm. have that happen. So as we go along, um, we decided to take it out of our homes and go into an incubator program, which is something they have in Montgomery County, uh, Maryland. And it's basically a – and I highly recommend anybody out there that's thinking of starting, look at your business economics departments with inside your, your your city, your, your county, your state, and they basically, for a little bit of money, we got a space, we got help, legal, legal, any kind of legal advice we needed, marketing and et cetera through our business economic development department for our county. So we started there and we started kind of working with old people we knew before, we started growing this business development group. And one of the things we met somebody who wanted to start kind of a health company, a wellness company, and we helped her build out her platform. And within that, we had a, um, there was something new coming out called Microsoft Health Fault. And for people who might know that, might not know this, but it was coming out and the background story. And this is where we got so excited about this because one of our missions, Mark, Jason, and I, when we started the company, is take technology and do something for the better world. Do something good with it. And we hadn't really found our space, what that meant yet. So um, Mark went down to a conference in D.C. and got to hear this guy um, speak from Microsoft. Um, and it was, as he's sitting there talking to it's, it's a guy, his this guy's name is Sean Nolan, which is one of the designation engineers for Microsoft. And he started talking about Katrina. And started talking about what happened with Katrina hit so the hurricane down in, um, in New Orleans. And how everything got washed away. All so think about healthcare. People were showing up mm-hmm. in Houston and in Dallas saying, "Hi, I've got cancer and I have a pink pill that I take. I don't know where I am in my process. I don't know what the pink pill is for, but you know, I need. I think I need to get my chemo going again." Well, there was nothing to go on, right? So they said, "Where are your records?" Well, I had records at home. They got washed away in the flood. I had records at wow, my doctor's wow. office. It got washed away in flood. But at the hospital, it was on the servers, but those servers were in the basement and they got blown up by water getting into the servers. So these people had- I
0: guess I'd never consider that, that event uh, from that perspective. That's interesting to know.
1: You got to think about it. If you're sick and you don't have any of that left, What what do you do? What do you do? So it was Sean's vision to go and say, hey, wait a second. We need a database that can live in the clouds and to be able to connect multiple systems. And that way, as a, a patient, a consumer, all you do is you need to get on the internet connection and log in and be able to see all your information. And this is where patient portals and all that stuff kind of started to, to kind of come up. He, he was building this database on the back end, connecting different systems. So we met this, this small company They wanted to start a wellness company. And one of the biggest things, they had we had talked to Microsoft and Microsoft said, hey, we want to connect them. So we started doing the connections, like like that software in between. Microsoft liked our technology and said, well, you guys are really sharp. So with that, we started doing more and more and more. We are actually were the first people. We worked with Fitbit when Fitbit was only five or six people back then during the connection. Um, They just sold for how many billions, right? Um, So they started, that's where, you know, we started doing it. So within that, we were still doing um, a lot of work for other companies and professional services, but we got kind of the bug. Like Mark called me from the health law conference. He's like, this is where we should be. This is something we should be doing. And um, and at the time, our company was called iNet Experts, we'll one of the dumbest things we ever did. It wasn't spelled right. Nobody could remember it. It was one of those. now I'll get into the naming later <laughs> of why we changed. Um, so we started doing that. And. As we um, were working with another company, we're doing a bunch of professional services and we're kind of surviving. We end up moving out of the incubator into the building we're in now and we're doing OK. You know, we've got now five or six employees. And at the time, we said, OK, we're going to um, we're working with another company and do all this professional services. And they decided they were too expensive and I'll never forget it. And this is a time in your world. You don't know that things, something's going to happen. So we're doing kind of the professional sort of these, these things are happening. And they say, Well, you know what? You either take this price or or that's it. And or we in these guys we used to work with, they're like, We'll just buy you for nothing. And we said, You know what? We're not interested. And we walked away thinking, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do next? And we get back to the office, and you know, when the door is closed, sometimes the windows open, and we got a call from American Heart Association within an hour of us making that decision and the call from this America- is a
0: client right that that you start to say you were too expensive
1: yeah it's a too expensive professional service are going to go overseas and so we say no and we're kind of sitting around a table and actually it's funny enough this is i'm in the conference room this is the old table I'm sitting around the table going, what are we going to do and i get a call i walk up pick it up and it says american Hot association calling and we're like what the heck and we go and we, we, they wanted somebody to build a patient portal for them, for American Heart Association. And so we end up going, we went, We won the, the bid. And that was a place that we started to move into this whole new world. And at that time, we said, we really can't be called iNet Experts anymore. So at that time, we we're doing consulting. So iNet Expert was named, it's spelled I-N-E-T-X. T-E-R-T-S. It was very cool in the 2000, early 2000. Never do that. The business decision was really not a smart one because nobody can find you on the internet, right? You get, get right. it. And then, you know, we dealt with a lot of people that centered and everybody was all into this sort of like feeling, kind of talking about kind of abstract things. And we finally said, you know what? Why don't we just get real about this? And that's where Get Real came from. So we started with Get Real. Very concept. cool. And then we went to get real help. And guess what? People can spell it. Like
0: yeah, much easier than the other one. Right, exactly. I'm not sure if, so, even if you just spell it for me, I'm not sure. I'm,
1: <laughs> yeah, know. I mean you wouldn't. So we decided that was kind of the, the moment we said, okay, you know what? We got to uh, make a change, and it was the perfect time to do it because all of a sudden we're building this by strap scratch for you know as a professional services our first patient portal and it was for american heart association so we got in there we built it and it was really you know fascinating to learn about what they want to do and for us as part of our mission was to do something to help We're like this is great right this is really good and so we build it as a and anybody who's out there as a technologist we build the whole thing we built an app an application and as soon as we delivered they said hey can you do this in spanish and we're like mm-hmm. oh. so there's all what all this other development you have to do so we said okay we'll do that but that leads into what happens next and so then we get a call from american cancer society they say hey we just saw what you drilled for american heart association can you do one for american cancer society so we start doing it then well guess what american cancer society almost wanted exactly what american heart wanted with a few changes but a lot of it overlapping. So now we're rebuilding exactly what we built before. At the same time, we still work with Microsoft. They're still like our biggest promoter. They're the ones that felt eight, American Heart to Cause and American Cancer Society. They're, I mean, they're, they're our buddies. And it's not like just a, like a partnership. Everybody can get a Microsoft partnership. It's a little bit different, deeper. We've been working with these guys before at US web and everything for years. And so it really was something kind of cool happening. So we went to them and um, Sean Nolan, the grandfather of uh, HealthVault, this great database that all this information people are connecting into. And, hey, we, think we might have a product. And we looked at what we had just built and said, we're building this over here for American Heart Association. We're building for American Cancer Society. Maybe we should build something that can be more dynamic and build something that is more of a product not so much a, an application, but a product that can build applications. And so Mark and Jason sat down and they sketched this thing out. And then they went to Microsoft and said, hey, this is a concept. What do you guys think? And they're like, "Yo, oh, that's interesting. That's super interesting. So that is where our first product came from called Instant PHR. And Instant PHR is taking small web parts, Think about all the different pieces, all these little web parts or widgets or pieces. It used to be like SharePoint, uh, we did an ASP.NET, but like little pieces. And we did, built a content management system on the back end. And what you can do, think about Legos, right? You need know, this Lego, this Lego, Lego to build something. You can take those pieces and you can build an application using the back end. And it's easy to change things. But one of the first things we said we have to make sure we do is make it so it can be in any language in the world.
0: Because um, you went through that experience,
1: exactly. You are like
0: new the new a lot.
1: Yeah, we're like so, but we made sure that we could do it in Western languages and Eastern languages. So because they that's dynamically very different, right? So for Arabic, yes. everything's got to flip, right? Or for Hebrew, or you have characters versus letters and uh, numbers and etc. Um, so we built our first thing called INA, I mean um, uh, Instant PHR and. It was great because we've got buy-in from one of the biggest companies out there, Health Vault. So um, that's where we start falling into get real health.
0: So I, I love this story here because there's a lot of things that I'm hearing that you didn't necessarily directly say, but it is the how you started and the kind of the the path that you took. So right now you guys are a multi-million dollar company. But when you started, did you have it? I mean, you started as a professional services. So did you even have any capitals to, you know, infusion of capital to start?
1: No, no. We we no. did it the old-fashioned way. We bootstrapped it. Yeah,
0: bootstrapped. and so you did that, but you didn't also didn't need that because you didn't build a huge, humongous product that you have now to start with. You actually... And this is what I took away from your story is you started that you started some professional services, some integrations, that's some sort of consulting. And, and as you did that, you start to kind of get into these connections and kind of through what others asked of you, saw the opportunities and build the products around that. And so you've been pretty much self-funded the whole way, haven't you?
1: Pretty much. We, at the. So we ended up, you know, one of our big first clients was TELUS, which mm-hmm. is a telecommunication company of um, Canada. Um, so it's like the AT&T of Canada. And they were starting their own division for health. And we are, we still are, uh, the patient engagement platform for them, their PHR. Um, and they saw it and invested a little bit of money in us, but not much. And that's the only investor we ever had um, throughout the whole the whole thing. Well, you know, it, it's funny talking to people now and, um, you know, there were tough. To, I mean, don't think this is all rosy. I mean, when you get employees and saying you have to pay two things called payroll and um, pay, you know, rent and all that kind of stuff. So there are multiple times where you get a little dicey. And one of the advice I would give somebody going out there is you need to have a really good banker, somebody that has your back. And we went to a local bank here in Rockville, Capital Bank, and um, Scott, who is the, the president there, had my back. When things went wrong, he, he was there. He believed in what we were doing and really was there to support us. And so our line of credit was a, a little deeper, um, but that was something we, we did. But we also looked to the government to make sure that like the incubator, that we had a good price to be in there. We started very small with inside our offices. So many of our friends went out the same time as we did. And went out and bought all the most fancy furniture in the whole wide world um even to this day my tables out there are ikea tables glass ones they're awesome people love them because they write on them but they cost me we found a warehouse and they cost me 40 dollars a table a desk right you, you still right. have to think about like even at this time there's no need to go out and spend stupid money um, but people would right. you know coming out of the dot-com world people were like i must have the best chair in the whole wide world well, guess what? You can go to a warehouse now and they have them all there because, <laughs> they, you know, so you can go out and do that. So we we kept it very close to our tests and making sure that we didn't spend stupid money and, so, and get get space that we didn't need. But it was still tough.
0: Yeah. And you know what? That's been a stupid, spending stupid money. I think that's like, I see either startups do that once they start making money or they don't. And it's kind of like, I haven't seen anything in between, <laughs> really. Yeah, And it's kind of interesting to observe because the ones that don't typically grow bigger and faster and and more stable. Um, but when I see somebody, you know, I, I saw yesterday somebody just crossed a million dollars in, in their business and they're opposing with their Lamborghini. And I'm like, I have nothing against Lamborghinis. They're cool cars, but I think that's a little early.
1: It's a little I mean, early because tomorrow could be the rugby pulled out from underneath you.
0: Um, Right. Exactly.
1: And I found our staff and we have the most phenomenal staff that's been with me for years. And what I found with the staff was they were in the grind with you. They were in the grind with you. The only thing that we made sure we spent money on was really good health insurance. Because we felt that was really important for our employees that to make sure that they were always covered with really good health insurance, because that's something that you just can't. We had, you know, good, good benefits, good, good benefits. And we paid a pretty good salary, but they also knew when we couldn't, they were there. And I'll never forget. There's one time that I was really worried about making payroll, really worried. And I went to the staff, I was very honest. And one of the guys on the staff um, said to me, hey, Rob, we've got 10 toes. And I'm like, I don't understand what you mean by that. You know, like, what do you mean 10 toes? He says, we're standing with you. We're standing with you. We're We're there. And if your payroll's late, your payroll's late, where they ended up not having to be, but they appreciate that I was honest, so they could make arrangements.
0: You know, I think that speaks volume of your leadership, that people want to stand by you that way. But the other part of it, I also love the transparency. I have found that as a leader, if I'm more transparent with the people that I work with, they're much more inclined to put in that extra effort, um, for example, a few years back, I, I ran a call center, and our team was—we uh, had a, a few different projects that we were doing for our clients. You know, so we were kind of an outsourced uh, call center, and um, um, with one of the teams, they were—they were performing phenomenally. I mean, much better than the client's internal teams did. So, client was super happy, but we uh, knew that they could do more and we, you know, wanted to see more and needed kind of more as a, as a company. Um, and uh, and we were you know, at first trying to do kind of the, the traditional thing of like, well, just, you know, make these, this many calls and blah, 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 you know, kind of the, the standard push to metrics kind of thing. And then I realized, you know, it's not that they're unwilling to do it. They just don't, don't understand why and, and how it's all connected and there the implication has for them. Uh, as an individual as well as how their contribution as an individual affects the company and so I decided to be more transparent than maybe many leaders would have been where I broke it down for them and I, I showed them exactly how it worked and why and we were you know, talking about the numbers we were talking about and the amazing thing that happened was that like I said they were already performing really well but they actually went out to double the amount of sales they made. And it's all because they they had a yeah an understanding and mm-hmm. they appreciated that I had taken the time to be transparent and really kind of share what mattered.
1: It's the why if you can get the why out to them of, uh, mm-hmm. what we're trying to achieve. And then to remind them for us, because we're in healthcare, what we can do to help. So it's the why and the, and and the help. And I think that's where we, we just saw, saw them. And also they have my back. I have their back. I mean, there was one time a client was just being abusive to my staff and I fired the client and the client said, you can't do that. I'm your client. I said, I can't, I own the company. You're fired. You can't, you're not allowed to scream and swear at my employees no money's worth that, and I fired them. Yeah, and and I think that's where you've got to you know you got to stand behind them, but they same same back with us. So you know, growing a company from nothing to something is not for the um, the weary. You just got to believe in it, and you've got to keep going with it. But one of the biggest things I think is the most important is to surround yourself with really good people. And if you can surround yourself with really smart good people, you'll achieve a lot.
0: So. I, I want to touch on that a little bit because uh, obviously, I mean, our po- podcast, you know, has the name of C-Suite Perspective and, and, and uh, while well, it's very exciting to hear about kind of startup stores and certainly listeners are in that stage or maybe even wow. pre-startup too. Um, there There's also people that are more seasoned that have bigger companies. And so what I, I want to touch on that that aspect because your background was in technical recruiting and and then a director of HR, and then you just mentioned you know when you had that that issue with being concerned about uh, meeting payroll uh, that people said that they would stand by you. So, at the time where you're kind of early on like that, um, you know, what are some of the tips? I guess you could share for finding those good people and then maybe add to that especially right now where you know the market for hiring is just hard way more complicated than probably it's ever been before Mm -hmm. and and if there's you know additional tips or just you know how do both as you start up i guess and also now in this market particularly how do you find those good people and how do you keep them
1: Well, I I think the first thing you got to look at is a resume is a resume. It's the person behind that resume. And, you know, a couple of things I always look at, and it's so funny because I've got a son in college right now and his friends and everything. And they're all so worried about, you know, am I going to the, 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 the best university and et cetera. And that's all great and powerful. I honestly look at somebody who's gone to college that was, is able to, keep a pretty good grade point average. I don't need somebody that's a 4.0. I mean, sometimes they don't know how to multitask. Um, I'm looking at somebody who maybe, you know, was in college, but held down a job, was part of a sport, you know, um, did uh, maybe some things on campus. I'm looking for that well-rounded person that knows how to multitask. They can think themselves out of a problem. And um, when I look at that, like at least my college, the kids coming out of school, I just, I heard uh, my director of marketing or my marketing manager here. And honestly, Amanda was just coming out of Bauer. Uh, um, um, and, and she, as she was coming out, right, I, uh, I looked at her and it wasn't so much that she had a lot, you know, she just came. but I looked at internships. She did internships with the Red Sox up um, and, and, uh, and did marketing for them in the Cape Cod League, right? Um, she had done, I mean, just all these little things she did. And when she was at school, she ran. She was at the marketing stuff for the cross team, and she's part of her sorority and all those kind of things. And when I look at that, I looked at this kind of well-rounded person. And then when she came in, personality-wise, um, now I knew her from her parents anyway, because they kind of asked me to look at her resume. I was like, yeah, you shouldn't show this resume to anybody else. I'm like, <laughs> let's get her in here. She was so, you know, she looks so darn good. Um, but I look at that kind of that earnest, that want to do, wanting to do well, but being able to handle lots of things at the same time. So that's one side of it. I also, I really, so when I was hiring when we were at the beginning, um, I was looking for people, and some of them I recruited right off of um, a bunch of kids. I recruited out of they were just graduating from college, and I knew them from my son's camp, and they were just hardworking kids that I felt were smart. And sometimes you got to look at people that. Might not have all the skill set you need to, at that moment, but can figure it out and can get there and you, with some growth and some push and some help. So that's part of it. Um, I've also, I have a pretty good instinct on um, people, I guess, and seeing, you know, where they're, where, what they're at. And then honestly, are they passionate? Are they excited about it? Are they looking to do something? Um, being a recruiter for lots of years, I've heard every complaint there is in the, in the world, it's amazing what people will tell you. I'll never forget recruiting for one. And I'm walking them over for the interview and they said, Yeah, you know, I was surprised I got up. I don't usually get up this early. You know, I'm always kind of late. I'm like, <laughs> You're literally telling me this in the interview, right? Let them talk and you will find a lot out. So now, yep. now today, you got to sell them on the vision, you got to sell them where they can be and where they can do. And I'm always um, pro employee. I'm pro to make sure my employees get what they need to grow, to expand on their careers. And, you know, um, and also some of them have grown out of me. And they're like, there's a couple guys that I just think are phenomenal uh, that these guys I took from like one of the guys, this guy, Jamel, that I adore. Um, he was ready to, to go to the next level. And you need to encourage that so employees can see that you are all about making sure that, that person gets to be where. Because you know what? Sometimes people leave and they come back. Or they tell people it's a good place to work, you know. And um, so it's really again surrounding yourself with really smart people that know how to adapt. They can be agile. We're in agile uh, world right now, um, and being able to just be to think on their feet. If you can get those kind of people and give them the give them the power to actually get their opinions across and have them expand with you and you know, I've always said get get people a lot smarter than you around you, and you will achieve. So that's kind of my philosophy. And um, so,
0: so it sounds like you start off by looking at us as a well-rounded person. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe with some right skills, but they're a well-rounded person. That's the kind of person I'm interested in talking with, and then you kind of take it from there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I take it from there, yeah. and on. Um, you know, I just hired uh, a uh, a client success manager and. Honestly, I will know somebody if somebody's good or not within minutes of talking with them. And I looked at a resume. And sometimes in this world, guys, do not hesitate. If you see somebody who's good, I don't care. Like I shouldn't probably be the first person to call somebody as president of the company or whatever. But if they're good and I see the resume, I'm picking up the phone and calling them right then and there. Why am I waiting to let my competition get on get there? So for Amy, I I got a resume and an hour later, I was on the phone with her. I had it with three or four interviews in like four or five days and we hired her. And it's, I, one of the, my best hires I've ever had in my life.
0: I think that's a very good tip in this market because um, I've come across people where their hiring process is like three to six months and the candidate doesn't even know where they're standing. And so if they don't know where they're standing, naturally they're going to apply for other places too. And now you have to, you know, compete for them instead of just getting them grabbing,
1: grabbing them yeah. grabbing them. I mean and, and you should know um very quickly if they're good or not and um it's tough times out there right now and you want to grab somebody who's really good really fast because they're going to have four or five offers on, on their plate you want to get ahead of that time so I do yeah. think, you know and if anything I think we've been a little too slow lately and because it's, it's I've let my you know team just kind of grind through it a little bit and Now that we are, the big part of my story is I eventually sold the company. So now we're part of a a larger corporation and they move a little slower than what we're used to being as nimble as we are. So we've taken it back and we're now a lot more nimble being able to do our own thing.
0: That's good. One of the things i found too when it comes to hiring is to uh, clarify to uh, to the potential candidate that what growth opportunities they have because most people are looking for that and they want to know that they're not coming in and you know they're stuck in that forever. Uh and even if they are in the same position, that they at least can continue to learn and grow in different, you know, other ways. Oh. And so I, I think that's a big important part of it too. Absolutely. So now we touched on on kind of the recruiting part of it. Um, I'm sure that there's there's other things that you have discovered along the way, and uh, you know, kind of the subtitle of this podcast is systems and processes. So, is there any kind of tip or advice, kind of practical advice, that you would like to share with the audience uh, from kind of a systems perspective as well?
1: Yeah, I think most important thing is just on in general, you gotta watch your market. Very, very carefully. So, one of the things that I think on the system side, we learned that building an application one after another doesn't work. Building a product that's a system behind it, so you can build something quicker, faster, and get to market faster, was um, really smart. And that system constantly has to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. So, we have Instant PHR, we are constantly, we're about to launch four or five new pieces. That's Instant PHR is now our digital front door for you know, some large clients. So it's the one place that everybody, all your, all your, um, as a patient, instead of going to a bunch of different patient portals, if you have one, we call the digital front door, where you get all your information. And the reason that we've taken what we built 10 years ago and has constantly on the system side and processes is you got to watch. Well, how's the world changing around you, right? How are you going to make this different? When first patient portals came out, everybody's like, Well, I I log. That's fine. That's great. I can see a doctor. And then you listen to the patients that get frustrated. Well, I've got to log into this one. I got to log into that one. Mm -hmm. I can't remember my password. And why can't we have one place? And especially within a hospital system, why do I have to, if like we have hospital systems like John Hopkins or MedStar or any of these that have, I'm logging into the hospital. Here with one login in a different system, but then I go to my doctor's office. This is part of the same health system, but I'm logging into a completely different one. The frustrate, and I got to pay my bill over here, and I got to pay a bill over here. and I want to do a virtual competition, oh,
0: like totally with you. We, we had a situation a couple of years ago, and my wife was going through a lot of different tests and stuff, and like, and it was all technically within the same organization, uh, yet there were like three or four different places, and and uh you would think that they passed, you know, the information from one to the other and all, and there, there wasn't oh. that part. And so we're like, well, no wonder they're like all kind of, you know, a little confused as to what's going on and trying to figure that out in different ways. Like, just, just share the information, just put it there and make it easy for us to access it so we can see, you know, all the comments all and it. everything that will go along with it.
1: Well, and so what we ended up doing is, you know, um, eventually health thought does go away. And Microsoft comes to us and say, what can you do instead? So we built something called ch Base, Connected Health Base. And with the Connected Health Base, we did APIs, again, taking a system that they had that was kind of a national system. We took that. We knew what was going on there. We worked with it for years with our support from the team at Microsoft ourselves. We ended Mm -hmm. up building what's called Connected Health Base. And the reason we call it Connected Health Base because you're connecting. So we have APIs that can connect into multiple different systems. So that meant multiple different electronic health record systems like Cerner and Allscripts and Athena and Meditech and et cetera. So one of the biggest things we've got a huge opportunity this, this year here in the United States, one of the second largest hospital systems in the country, they've come to us and said, listen, they've got this problem. They've got Athena here and Meditech here and the patients are getting frustrated and as a C-level, on the C-level of the hospital system, they're wasting money, right? They're not getting the bills paid as fast. They're not getting as many appointments set. They're not doing all those things, and they're making maybe not like the best decisions for healthcare because they've got pieces here, pieces here. So we took what we've already had, always had with the CH-base and Instant PHR. We've added more features, watching what's going on in the world and growing this system, connecting with the APIs below it. So now we're connecting both systems, everything's coming in. So as, as you're saying, you know, with your wife, you would have one system log in and you can see what doctor, the doctor said in the three clinics you went to can, can see what's happening. You can see these are all the things and they can see it and we're connecting all of it. So it's kind of connecting. What kills us? We've been doing this in banking for how many years? is finally getting there, right? But we're not right. doing it here in the United States, we are an international company. So that's always interesting to learn how to do processes with outside of our world, right? Our biggest deployments in Canada, and that's with the Department of Health in both Alberta, Canada, Canada, and Saskatchewan, Canada. Well, they are similar to the US, but they're social medicine. So how do you take what you built here in the US and change that process a little bit? To match these other countries, right? And this is where the language piece comes in. In Canada, you have to have everything in French, Canadian French. So we're able to now that that piece that we said, oh, back wait a second, maybe we should do, comes into play first in Canada, then in Switzerland. I mean, in Sweden, we are deployed also in um, the Netherlands, and that's a whole different world because they have different. Then you're going into Europe, and you have the you know you have different laws, right? So again, in the process, right?
0: Because you have the European Union regulations right. there and everything, yep.
1: Right. So now you've got to change, and you've got to make sure data is living in the EU um, versus anywhere else. So data's got to be within inside, you know these these walls. How do you change that process? And we've done it. Done it. we we just deployed in um, Abu Dhabi, so it's in Arabic in Abu Dhabi, and again, we're kind of that front door, that digital front door for these. DOHS, or really the regions, and where everything's going to start flowing through these areas. We're deployed in Australia, and we're just about to deploy in New Zealand. And so we've got from our little company that started in my, you know, in our houses, we've got about almost three million people using the platform. But talking about processes and procedures and how are you doing that is you've got to keep your eye on the changes, which comes with right. To COVID, right?
0: I love how you call it the front door because it's a very visual representation of, of what what you have there and and it's very exciting to kind of hear both what you've done um, and, and where do you see things are going? I mean, they more connected, obviously, but yes other than that, so like what you say keep your eyes on the target. so what's the target?
1: The target is to get more hospital systems to do this. Um, it's really great that the first one in the U.S. we're doing is one of the largest and be able to to kind of show that it's possible. Our biggest competitor, the way they would do it, is they change all the system to our system, and then they all can talk to one another. Well, we're talking about billions of dollars, where we can do something for you know, millions of dollars or less, and we can do it quicker. That would be a five-year span, and they just did that at NYP years span we're we're saying we're doing it within about six to eight months right
0: um so that's a huge difference yeah
1: yes yeah, huge difference and not billions uh, by any means um but be able to do that and expand but we gotta look and see so we've always had virtual you know the video conferencing and remote patient monitoring but it was never reimbursable in the United States so it was a nice thing to have and people just you know unless you're gonna financially make that switch for these hospital systems they're just, they can't do that. They need to be able to financially, you know, hospital systems are on a very small, on um, uh, thin, thin profitability. So COVID hits, what are we going to do? We okay. can't go to the doctor's office and et cetera. So one of the biggest things that we were able to very quickly do is say, hey, we already have this feature, let's pull it forward. And be able to give the ability to our, our, our clients to be able to do it. And part of that is really interesting. And then, of course, the U.S. will be immersed. So that, of course, opens and expands a lot of that. But but also to be able to have, we're also connected to two devices, like your blood pressure cuffs, your glucose levels, your your Fitbits and everything. We have a device ecosystem. And one thing is to go to see the doctor and do it virtually. But they also still need some of your vitals. And to be able to automatically show your vitals from home and for them to be able to monitor them. And be able to see one of my favorite taglines for the company is see your patient like you've never seen it before. Because usually you see your patient two or three times a year. But with all the things we can do, remote patient monitoring and pulling all that information in constantly, you don't have to look at it. But if all of a sudden your blood sugars are just consistently very, very high, there can be an alert sent to them and say, hey, you know, my son's a type one diabetic. So it'd be like, you know, Ben's um, sugar is always, high we need to take an adjustment on his glucose or let's say you have a parent that all they do is you want them to step on the scale at night that's all or in the morning step on the scale in the morning Mm -hmm. and they see a five pound increase overnight that's probably heart failure right they're retaining water The work goes off to you and the doctor they get them on some um uh, you know bring them in put them on new medication and you probably just save their lives but all they're doing is stuff on a scale. So it's that remote patient monitoring. And now it's so important because the doctor is not able to physically see you. So be able to information. So it's keeping your eye on well, what's happening across the boards.
0: And, and not only that, but uh, it's the touch points. You're talking about them, the alerts where, where the, you, you can expose the anomalies sooner and save lives that way. Mm-hmm. And where it takes 30 seconds or five minutes if you make a call versus you have to go in as a patient you have to you know travel there wait you know have your checkup and then go and for the doctor it takes you know 15 minutes 20 minutes whatever it takes and you may not even run the right test versus having all that information available to be able to more accurately diagnose what's going on that's it being
1: like especially like in the um like during the winter months, um, elderly patients are not as likely to get on into their cars to drive down during a snowstorm mm-hmm. or to go to the doctor's appointments. This is after you get people set up, and it's so funny. Everybody said, "Oh, you're, you're, your parents, your grandparents, your parents weren't going to do that." Guess what? They're they're on Facebook all the time. They're 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 just as good with their iPhones as we are, um, and they're doing those calls. But they're seeing their patients more than they would have ever seen them. Because they are not saying, I just can't come down between October to April because I live, you know, in Maine and I can't get out in the snow like that. So we are seeing, but those are the kind of things I think as anybody um, and the C-suite is you've got to keep an eye on what's happening in the industry and see where it is. And the expansion is that more and more, I mean, we're very busy and we're getting more and more reach outs because they want everything to be in one spot. They want it to be easy to use and to be on your phone and they want it to be as connected, um, connected pieces into it. And honestly, you think, well, why would people want to do that? Well insurance companies want it because they want it to bring the cost of healthcare down. But the same thing with social um, medicine in all the different countries, you're paying taxes for that, even though you think, Oh, it's social medicine, you're paying taxes on that. So the more that you can refine it and define it, and get people, keep people healthy. The more your taxes will come down.
0: Yeah. This has been very exciting. Uh, now from our, our you know, pre-recorded covers or rec- conversation. Before we started recording here, we talked about, uh, some of the things that kind of you're looking for is obviously be connected with more hospitals and, and doctor's offices to create this connectivity. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, uh, for anybody that's listening that may be looking for, for uh, new opportunities. I know you're hiring right now too.
1: Yep. Yeah. Is there I,
0: anything else?
1: I, I was saying, you know, um, the one thing I would say out there is we did sell the company two years ago, two and a half years ago to a company called CPSI. And the reason you were to talk about the right people, the right time, they went in, we went in to sell them just, you know, what we do, right. They are mm-hmm. a PMR company out in the middle of the country. And when you go to, I would say in the C-suite, when you're at that point that you need to go sell, sell the people you really like. I walked out of that meeting with them and not even thinking they might be even interested. And I said, man, I really like those guys. So when they came mm-hmm. back and we had two or three different groups coming at us and at the end, like, we decided to get a little less money to be with the right people and be the right people for our staffs.
0: Anybody that wants to reach out uh, real quick, how did he get a hold of you?
1: You can email me at robin at getrealhealth.com or jobs at getrealhealth.com or info at getrealhealth.com.
0: Well, thank you. And I will let you go there since you've got your fire alarm uh, going off. yes. Thank
1: Anybody you so much. Anybody that's
0: been listening, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a guest on the on the show, feel free to reach out. This is the C-Suite Perspective where we talk about systems and processes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of C Suite Perspective. If you would like to be a guest on our show, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is G O dot A M A Z A T I C dot com forward slash apply. And don't forget to hit subscribe to C Suite Perspective Systems and Processes and leave us a review. Feel free to also share it with your friends and colleagues through your favorite social media channels. And feel free to reach out and connect via social media or go to our website, amazatic.com. That is A-M-A-Z-A-T-I-C.com. My name is Chris, and I thank you for listening to C-Suite Perspective Systems and Processes.